So I love watching those type of things because it's like it starts off and you think it's so big, and then it just keeps going and going, and you're like, is this ever going to end? How big these things get, right? And my mind, after like two or three, just stops processing. Like I can't even just fathom how big that is anymore. Never mind by the time we got to that last one, the biggest known one, which I'm sure isn't the biggest. We're going to keep finding more and more. It's just how that goes. And so tonight I have a question for you, all right? And you can raise your hand and answer this. But if you had to describe God, and I ask you the question, who is God? Very simple question, three words. Who is God? What, what is an answer you would give to someone who had no clue what the answer to that would be? Anybody want to take a stab? What would you say? Who is God? Anybody? Back there? Yeah, yeah. How about like this one right here? Yeah. Logan? The one who created things? All right, yeah. Were there hands back there too? Somebody just shout it out because I can't see you. Father, Son, or Holy Spirit? Okay. Almighty. Awesome. Anybody else have one? Creator. So these are all really good definitions of God. But one thing that I've realized, the more I dig into who God is, right, and I'm researching in the Bible and I'm looking, I'm trying just to like process what the Bible's telling me about God. You know what happens? It feels like my brain does one of these things like we saw in the video where like every time I look in closer to who God is, he just seems that much bigger every single time. And it feels like I'm never going to get to the end of just how big God is. And I think the truth that we're going to find is that we won't ever get to the end of how big God is. Like, that's the point of eternity. When we get to go to heaven and be with God forever, we're going to spend forever getting to know God. And he's never going to be boring. We're never going to run out of new things to learn about him because there is no end to who God is. He's that unbelievable. And that's where my mind's just like frying out because like it's just too big to even comprehend. And so tonight, we're going to start a series for a few weeks. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at that question, who is God? And I'm going to present to you guys 15, they're called attributes of God. It's a description of God's nature and who he is that we're going to call attributes. And when you hear me say that word, don't be freaked out. I'm using a big word. That just means the description of something about God is his attribute. And so we're going to do just three a night. And so tonight I have three for you. And they all kind of go together. So the first one is this. God, and this is, this is going to blow your mind. I know you didn't know this after that video, but God is infinite, right? God is infinite. And so as we start to think about what does that really mean? What does it mean that God is infinite? Like my brain can't like fathom infinity. It means that he's self-existing. He has no origin. Like if you were to put him here in math class and you guys doing like graphing in math class, Anybody? Like you're in algebra or one of those classes. So, you know, talk about with the graph paper, you're trying to like graph God. Like there's no center point. There's no like zero, zero. God has no limits. He's absolutely infinite. So he has no origin. He's literally just self-existing. He doesn't need anyone else. He's just absolutely 100% ready for this. I am. Like in the Bible, people are like, who are you? And Jesus even answers, I am. God says, I am that I am. And you're like, that's very creative. Like, but it's the truth. There's no better way with our language to describe someone who is infinite. That means there's no end to him. God is absolutely infinite. All he can say is, I am that I am. Because that's just the best way I can describe myself in your 
limited words. He's unbelievable. So I want to read you a couple of verses that tell us this. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And when it says all things, it means all things. It means everything. There's nothing outside of God because he's absolutely infinite. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. Listen to this. His understanding is beyond measure. That means infinite. There's no way we can really actually define this. He's that big. Okay, so stop because there are so many of us I know that walk around, if you're anything like me, that at moments in your life, you feel like you have God figured out. You're like, I I get you. You're all right. And we almost walk around like, like, I know who he is. I figured him out. He's this really good dude in the sky and whatever. And we act like he's really not that amazing. He's really not that big. He's really not that powerful. He's really not that awesome. And all of a sudden we live our lives, right? Because we're not thinking anymore like, holy cow, I can't even fathom you. We're living our lives and we're just walking around like we're it. Like we're the thing and we're doing the things that we want and we're serving ourselves like kind of the a little G God, right? Like whatever I want, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to get. That's how I'm going to live. That's because we forgot the greatness of this God that's created us. Have you forgotten how infinite your God is? It might sound like some boring math word, but this word should blow your mind in a way that's spiritual because what it means is that this God is worthy of you bowing down before him and worshiping him. He's not some limited idol. He's not some stick carved out that people would bow to who could do nothing. He's not some like demigod that like the Greeks believed in who was like, like, this is the God who is infinite beyond everything outside of everything. That's the God that's worthy of you worshiping and bowing before. So here's my question. Have you forgotten that? Are you living like that? Are you living like he's infinite or like you're infinite? Do you look at him with respect and adoration and worship in your heart? Because when you think he's infinite and you think about yourself and you're like, I'm so small. You ever thought about yourself next to God? And when you realize how small and fragile you are and your life is just this breath, that's when you can realize, God, you deserve worship. (laughs) Because I realize how small I am next to you. He's limitless. This really smart guy named Tozer. I'm going to quote some smart people tonight who are much smarter than me about these things. And it's for a reason. They're smarter than me. So I want you to, I'm going to say their names. If you don't know them, it's fine. Just know that these are real smart guys you can look up and read some of their books because they're awesome godly men who are super smart. This guy's name is Tozer. That's his last name. It's a sweet name. Tozer, if you've ever heard of it. He writes this. He says, to admit that there's one who lies beyond us who exists outside of all of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. This requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess. So we save face by thinking God down to our level, or at least down to where we can manage him. You understand what he's saying? 
He's saying that God is so vast and so incredible that sometimes when we think about that, we're just like, I can't even process it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you smaller. In my brain, you're going to be smaller so it's manageable for me, so I can try to understand you better. I'm going to make you maybe equal with me or maybe just a little higher so I feel good about you being my God. But instead of you being infinite, I'm going to make you maybe this big because it's easier for me. And what, that, what he says here is what it takes is humility to be able to go, I'm not shrinking you down. I'm just going to accept the fact that I am tiny and you are infinite and it's beautiful and awesome and amazing that you still love me. As big as you are, how have you not just forgotten about me? Like, how do I not get lost? I lose the craziest things, right? And the smaller they are, the more easily they get lost. And compared to God, I'm so small. How do you not lose me? You know, like, he's that unbelievable. It should cause us to worship, but so often it causes us to try to make him smaller. And that's when he becomes just some idol for us, just some Santa Claus in the sky that we're asking for things when we need it, and otherwise we're not amazed by him anymore. We've made him too small and unimpressive in our minds. And he's like, listen, that's not even me. That's why we're asking the question tonight, who is God? One thing he is not is small. One thing he is not is comparable to you or me. God is infinite, and that should cause us to bow down and worship him. This other smart guy named Dr. Adrian Rogers, I don't know if you know that name or not. He used to be a pastor of our church a long time ago. Dr. Adrian Rogers said this, the name Jehovah, you guys ever heard that name, Jehovah, is used some 6,800 times in the Bible. It's the personal covenant name of Israel's God. In the King James Version of the Bible, it's translated Lord God. Not only does it speak of God's strength, but also it speaks of the sovereignty. That means like the total control of God and the goodness of God. The root of this name means self-existing, one who never came into being, one who always will be. When Moses asked God, who shall I tell Pharaoh has sent me? He said, I am that I am. Jehovah or Yahweh is the most intensely sacred name to Jewish scribes. Like many won't even write or pronounce the name. When possible, they won't even, they'll use some other name in its place. That's a respect that takes humility to say, God, you are so massive. I'm not going to make you small. So here's my question. How big do you really think you are next to him? As you think about yourself next to this God, is he someone you try to push around and leverage and manipulate to get what you want? Or is he an infinite being that you can't even compare to? Maybe you need to ask this question tonight. How big are your problems next to this infinite God? Are you that person that every time something comes along, you're freaking out like, what is going to happen? What am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And your last resort is to go to God, right? How big are your problems? Instead of saying like, God, you're so much bigger than my problems, they don't even compare. It's like that video we saw, and your problem is a little teeny grain of rice, and God is just, he doesn't even fit in the screen. And you'd be like, yeah, I believe that, but do you really? Because what happens when that comes? Do you find like trust in your heart and hope in your heart? Do you find yourself praying and asking God to help you with it and being like, my God's big enough and strong enough to do this? We call that faith. 
So at the end of the day, does God's infinite nature put faith in your heart? Cause you to trust him more when it's most important. That's the most inspiring thing about God's infinity to me. The second thing I want to show you tonight is this. God is immutable, right? And you're like, you're using all these big words. I know, we're going to stretch your minds. It's going to be awesome. Immutable just means this. He doesn't change. God never changes. You're like, how could God change if he already is perfect? How, what would there be for God to change into if he's already infinite? God never changes. And we know that because Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. He tells us straight up, I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Whoa, so it's a real good thing that God doesn't change because if he changed, he could change his mind about us. And after he's been like, Rob, my son died on a cross for you and you believed it and I've saved you later on, he could go, you know what? You're such a jerk. I saw what you did the other day and you slipped and you fell and you did this thing. Forget it. We're done. I'm taking it back. He doesn't do that. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He's already looked at you if you trusted in Jesus and called you forgiven. And that's how you stay. He's looked at you and called you loved. And that's how you stay. See, it's beautiful that God doesn't change because once again, it puts faith in my heart to trust him. Listen, you might know a person who every second of the day, they're changing their mind, right? Yes, I will be at that thing as long as something else doesn't come up. Actually, I'm not going to go. And like, boom, that's like, what? You just said you were going to go, right? You know people like that? They change your mind so much. God's not like that. God is trustworthy. And that should fill your heart with a faith in a God that will never change on you. He will keep loving you, keep forgiving you, keep pursuing you because that's who he is. You see, he never gets better or worse either. He can't. He is that he is, remember? He said, I am that I am. He can't change into better or worse. So there's no room for God to grow. You know, maybe like God will change his mind about me. If I do this thing or that thing or impress him here, God will be like, oh, didn't see that before. You know, I didn't see that one coming. God already knows. Like God is already there. He's not gonna change his mind. He's not gonna change his mind about you. Doesn't get better. He doesn't get worse. His plans don't change. And the best thing is his promises always stay the same. So whatever he promises you, you know you can believe it. You struggling with something tonight? Is there something going on in your heart, your life, your family? That you need to just trust tonight that God is there and he's not changing on you. He's looking at your problem. And remember, he's infinite. So your problem's like this big. And he keeps his promises. So maybe tonight you need to just take all that and you need to set it at his feet and go, God, I trust you with it. I don't know what to do with this thing in my life, this pain in my family, whatever it might be for you. He already knows it. And he loves you and he keeps his promises. This ought to be a source of like incredible joy for you. Like, holy cow, God, you never change. You'll never forget me. So here's another famous guy. I told you I'm going to give you lots of famous dudes saying stuff. So Sam Storms is another guy you should know. This guy wrote about God's unchanging nature. Listen to what he says. He says, what all this means, very simply, he tries to put it simple, but it doesn't get simple, is that God is dependable. 
right? You can depend on him. Our trust in him is therefore a confident trust, for we know that he will not, he cannot change. His purposes are unfailing, his promises unassailable. It's because the God who promised us eternal life is immutable. Remember what that means? He can't change. That we may rest assured that nothing, not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword shall separate us from the love of Christ. It's because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever that neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, not even powers, height, depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that, is, that God has for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he quotes Romans 8, 35 to 39 right there at the end. That's from the Bible. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because he doesn't change. You don't wake up one day and God's like, I'm so disappointed in you. I stopped loving you. Can't believe you would do that. He looks at you and says, I saw that one coming. I still love you. And there's still forgiveness for you. And I haven't changed my mind about you. It's us who change our minds. It's us who get up and we're like, today, I don't know. I'm just going to walk my own path, God. I'm going my own way because I'm not immutable. I do change. And my mind's going all over the place all the time. And in my flesh, I walk away from God when I know I should be following him. And the good thing is, as much as I change, he is steady and sure. He's there like an anchor and he's never moving. And I can always find him. I can always find him because he's not going anywhere. And that's how he wants it. That's how he created you to be, so that you could always come to him because he never changes. So here's how I'll leave you with this one. Here's my question for this. Are you changing to be more like the one who never changes? Are you growing to be more like him? If God is already perfect, so he has nothing to change into, and he wants you to be more like him, are you growing to be like that? Or are you growing away from him? Are the people that you're choosing to hang around causing you to grow and look more like him, this unchangeable, immutable, perfect, trustworthy God? Or are you starting to look the opposite because you've surrounded yourself with influences that you basically worship more than you worship this infinite God? You want their attention and their affection more than you want his attention and his affection. You want them to applaud you and approve what you're doing more than you care about whether he applauds you and approves what you're doing. What is the thing? It might not be friends. It might be something else. It might just be your own heart, your own pride and flesh that's causing you to walk a different path away instead of becoming more like the one who doesn't ever have to change. We do need a change. So I hope every day, Paul says every day, like I wake up and I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do. Like I need a change. I need to die to myself every day. Are you changing every day to look more like him? Every day when you wake up, I'm a little bit more like Jesus because I spent time with Jesus yesterday and he talked to me and spoke to my heart, ministered to me and changed me, made me more like him. Man, I love that God never changes. It means I can trust him. The last one for tonight is this. 
Not only is he infinite and immutable, which means he doesn't change, he's self-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. It means that he has no needs. God needs literally nothing. Listen to John 5, 26. It says, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. It means God needs absolutely nothing. He is the source of life. God doesn't need anyone to come alongside him and be like, how you doing today? God isn't sitting out in some cosmic like blackness, like all lonely and like sad, and, like, oh, what am I going to do today? I'm so bored. I know, maybe I'll make some like people. I'll put humans on this rock and that'll entertain me. Or maybe they'll be my friends and hang out with me. Like God is not this pitiful being that has needs, not socially, relationally, physically. God needs nothing. He's complete. That's awesome. Because that means when he made me and you, he simply did it because he loved us. He didn't need us, and he doesn't need us today. He doesn't need a place to perform this big play called you know, the gospel where his son comes down and dies on a cross valiantly to like show off in some weird, sadistic way. Like God did it because he loves you. He needs nothing. He needs no approval. He doesn't even need you to glorify him or worship him. He said, if you don't, the rocks will do it. The rocks will cry out. I don't need anything to do that. I am self-sufficient. God is not needy. But some of us treat him like he is. God, you're asking too much of me. You tell me to do things that I want to do. You're like trying to like ruin all my fun down here, God. Like he's some needy like person in my life. God is self-sufficient. God has no needs. Never once has he ever experienced what it's like to need in that way. And then this beautiful thing happens. He sends Jesus, who gets to experience life like you and me. Jesus, who puts on flesh like we have. Who all of a sudden feels what it's like to be hungry and to be thirsty, to be rejected to be beaten, tortured, hung on a cross. And he experiences this need. You see, just because God doesn't have need in his, in his divinity, like, doesn't mean he doesn't understand our need. He's never needed. This guy named Tim Temple, another smart guy, he says, God is perfectly complete within his own being. Like, he has everything he absolutely needs in himself. Scott Swain says this, he says, Self-sufficiency of God means he possesses infinite riches. (laughs) That'd be awesome, right? Infinite riches of being, of wisdom, of goodness, and power in and of himself. He gets that from Genesis 17, John 5, Ephesians 3. You can look these up where he's finding these things. He says, because he possesses these unfathomable riches in the perfect knowledge and love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's blessed. He's happy. He's completely fulfilled. Imagine having all wisdom, right? There's nothing you don't know. There's, like, you have everything there is to have, all the riches of the world, all the power in the, in the universe, right? Not just the world. It's hard to even talk about the size and the scope of what God is. When you have all that, you need nothing. So it makes me wonder. Why me? 
You have everything. Why me? Why do you care about me? Why do you love me? Why would you ever come to earth and die and be tortured and beaten and go through all of that for me? Why? God, you're self-sufficient. And he looks back and he says, because I love you. It's the easiest answer, but it's so hard to wrap my mind around. He wants me to experience that fullness, that completeness. And so when he says, Rob, I designed you and created you this way, don't do these things because they'll hurt you and break you. He's not doing it to be that parent that's just trying to like helicopter over you. God is trying to protect you and love you and help you experience that fullness that he is, that he experiences. He knows it's good and he wants you to have it. And so often we push back and we're like, God, no, like you're holding me back. He's like, if you could just see how good this is. And because he's self-sufficient, you know that we can go to him to satisfy all our needs. Anything you need, you can bring before God. Why? Because he has all the riches, right? He has everything. And so if we need anything, we can depend on him. We can go to God and say, look, I have these things and I need you to take care of them. Can't do it myself. We don't have to worry about ever drying up his, his well of like resources for us or love for us or care or forgiveness. You know why? Because he's never ending. He has it all infinitely. Goodness, peace, mercy, grace, everything you will ever need. God never runs dry. You can keep going back and say, God, I messed up. And he keeps saying, I forgive you and I love you. Try that on people in your life. Like it's gonna dry up real fast. People are real impatient with you. But this infinite God who's totally self-sufficient never runs out when you need him. He will always be there. And once again, this attribute, what it does is put faith in our hearts. We can trust him because he has everything we could ever need. And he wants to give it to us. Ephesians 3.20, I'll end with this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Did you hear that part? Wait, immeasurably more? Like, never runs dry. His well never runs out. So what is the thing you need to bring before God tonight and just say, God, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I've looked all over to all these different answers trying to fill this thing in here, and it's not working. I've fallen flat on my face over and over again trying to do this thing, and you're the only one that can do this. What's the need that you have tonight that God's saying, come, bring it to me? Do you go to God first when that's your need, or is he your last resort? Man, when I've exhausted every other option, then I'll go to God. Why does it seem like we do that all the time? Instead of the first time in, this thing is, is here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to the one who's got it all. <laughs> I'm going to the self-sufficient God who looks at me and says, I love you, and I want to give you good gifts, and I want to give you everything you need. So just come to me. Why am I the last one you come to? May God be the first one we run to. Some of you guys might need that tonight. Some of y'all might be holding it in. And tonight, God's like, 
it's time to bring it to me. I'm infinite. I don't change. And I'm self-sufficient. I have everything you need, and I want you to have it. Just come. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'll admit I get jazzed up when I start to talk about who my God is because he is unbelievable. I love hearing that he's not so small that I could just figure him out, but he's so big I'll never figure him out completely. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your praise. And here's what I ask you as we stand up to worship in just a second. Let that flow out of you. Let the word that we just heard, will you receive it tonight in your heart? Will you respond by worshiping? And don't just sing a song. Don't just hear music. Think about the majesty and the hugeness of our God and say, God, I can't help but I can't keep my mouth closed tonight. I want to tell you how awesome you are. I want to sing about it, and I want to praise you right now. Will you guys stand and do that with us?